to this, to these sounds. Plant down and lotus in a tent to ground. Knowing if I fail to lift the veil, I'm hell bound. Journey through the fate of all the hate I found. Done laying out the layman's for these lanes, big clowns. We can still throw down pound for pound. If you choose to drag my name through the mud with no bounds. Scars go deep, but the passion can shift. Trying to find a balance between anger and bliss. Searching for my purpose when success is a myth. I thought I knew the gist of the plot, but it came with a twist. Had it all mapped out, but none of the pieces fit. Abandonment issues got me doing the split. Realizing I didn't really need what I wish. Got sick of getting tricked into giving the devil a kiss. Welcome to the side of hell. They got me under a spell. And I got a story to tell as soon as I break out of this shell. Welcome to the side of hell. They got me Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Portal to the Paranormal for the podcast. Um, my name is Nando, and I'll be your host this evening. So um, just before we start, I just want to thank everyone at the beginning, just so I don't forget, for joining in. As always, if you've got any comments for our special guests this evening, please chuck them in the comments box, and we will read that out. But tonight, we are ending the year on with a fantastic guest. Um, we've had him on in the past, and it's great to catch up with him now. Um, you may have seen him on Paranormal Captured, My Haunted Hotels, um, The Haunted Hunts. So you may have probably guessed it by now. We've got Danny Moss joining us again on the show. Hey, Danny, how you doing? <laughs> What's happening? You okay? Yeah. Um, again, thank you very much for taking the time to join us for our final show of 2022. You know, I know that you've had quite a busy year and we're going to go into that. Um, but before we do, just a few people are in the room already. Hey, Nick. Hope you're doing well. Um, Abby's saying hi to you as well. So hi, Danny and Anthony um, from Rathwell Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, so yeah, um, Danny, let's get into it then, really. So, you know, oh, another one. Sarah's just saying hello as well, so I'll just chuck that in there. Um, so starting off, really, you know, a lot of people have seen you. You've been a TV presenter, a paranormal investigator for over 10 years, and you've been on shows like The Paranormal Captured. You've got My Haunting Hotels and The Haunting Hunts. Um, but the most common question, you know, that we always ask is, how did you start? You know, what made you get into the paranormal field? Yeah, um, well, first of all, let me say thank you for having me on. Um, really excited. I can't believe it's the end of 2022 already. It's uh, It's been a really fast year. But yeah, look, I, I think I got into it in a, a slightly different way to, to most people in the paranormal. Uh, a complete non-believer, if you like. Um, never... Know. Never, ever uh, would have believed that uh, spirits, ghosts, hauntings are, are real. Um, slightly different with UFOs. I've always had a, a big believing in UFOs and sort of life on other planets, if you like. But when I was 17, and I've covered this on, on many different interviews, I, I had an experience, and it's true what you say, is seeing is believing. And I think many sceptical people, if they were to see uh, here or, or witness something truly paranormal, it would probably spark their interest. And that's exactly what happened to me um, way, way back in 2007. And I had an experience at my friend's house, a, a very normal uh, house in a very normal town. Um, it, it was me and a, another person in there. And all of a sudden we heard movement out in the hallway. And as we went out to investigate, thinking, you know, there's nobody else in the house. Suddenly, uh, the staircase in front of us, we heard the sound of somebody running up and down the stairs uh, multiple times. And for me, that was the first time I'd ever witnessed something that 
just absolutely blew my mind and it sparked something within me that I've never uh, looked back since, shall we say, because that for me, to, to witness something that I can't explain and to defy logic completely uh, mm. was a really uh, a life-changing moment, shall I say. And for, for many, many years afterwards, I uh, went on a, a mission to try to witness more of these unexplainable things and also to document it on camera uh, for, for people just like myself, or the skeptics, or the people who may be 50-50 with the paranormal, can have that evidence there in front of them. And it's, it's been a whirlwind of a journey ever since. Brilliant. And, you know, going from the early days in when you thought, you know, I want to go into this. And as you were saying, you're going in a different mindset and mindset as a skeptic instead of a believer. You know, what kind of things did you do to start with then in the early days? What kind of experiments did you use or, you know, and how did you teach yourself to be from uh, like a junior investigator, basically, to what you're doing today? Yeah, so I started by going to other investigations, whether that be um, private investigations with other people, uh, public events with, you know, big events teams such as like Haunted Happenings, things like that. And this was just part of a, an ongoing research uh, period to find out why people jump to the paranormal conclusion for one, uh, mm -hmm. what techniques people are using and how controlled these public investigations or private investigations are. And I swiftly turned against what you would say more of the spiritual side of the paranormal, um, things like mediumship, um, techniques such as table tipping, mirror scrying, dowsing rods, uh, Ouija boards, anything that could, in my opinion, be easily um, debunked or, you know, yeah. Things like dowsing rods, uh, table tipping, Ouija boards, all easily manipulated by the human touch. And that, for me, was something that I wanted to, I wouldn't say go against, because I respect anybody who, who does those techniques, but more of the fact I wanted to veer away from that kind of thing. Because, in my opinion, if you were to show a, a table tipping session in front of a, a skeptic or a scientist they would just dismiss it straight away because for me, that's not strong enough evidence. Um, so it was about more of a, a scientific approach and more about um, a techie approach. And then as my journey's gone on through the years, I'm now starting to veer away from certain tech as well um, and really just try to do it in a in my own way, a, a very unique way, different to, to other ways that are being done out there. And there are some techniques that I see in the field which I highly respect. Um, there's some very, very talented uh, and rational investigators out there in the paranormal, some fantastic people uh, who I've enjoyed working with as well. And I think we're all on our own kind of journey, um, whether that be um, mediumship, whether that be spiritualism, um, you know, whether that be more of a scientific approach. I just think that that's the beauty of the paranormal is everybody's on their own journey to do it their own way. And, and that's a fantastic thing. Right. And you said that over the years, you sort of developed your own skills and, you know, you've worked with different technology based equipment. Is there a certain piece of equipment or a certain technique that you like to use that is your go to when you do your investigations now then? Yeah, I think, you know, any 
any sort of use of, of locked off camera surveillance systems, um, you know, covering. I, I think, you know, when you go into a location, whether it be a, a big, well-known location or a, a private case, a call out, whatever it be, you have to research where the so-called paranormal events are taking place and then adapt your tactical approach to suit that. Um, there's no point in just rigging up locked off cameras randomly in, in a building in, in any kind of situation. You have to kind of follow where the reports are going to see if you can then document that. Ha a massive fan of EVP. Um, I have a, a, a wide variety of digital voice recorders that I use. Uh, and then I have my own design as well, a, a device called the Intravox, which I designed back in oh, wow, uh, early stages of 2019, I think it was. Um, which is, has been a mind-blowing um, sort of experiment and device that that has served me very well. Um, and, and there's multiple other sort of experiments that I've started to bring on board over the last sort of two to three years, um, which have adapted me as an investigator. And I think any paranormal investigator, um, we're always learning on the job. We're always adapting. We're always progressing, no matter how long you've done it, whether it be uh, 10 months, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Um, there's people in the industry that have been in it a lot longer than me. Um, mm. and, and they're still adapting. They're still learning new ways. And I, I think that's, again, the, the beauty of the paranormal is that we are forever um, on a progressing journey, shall we say. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we can learn from each other. And I think that's something that I've learned very quickly from the paranormal field, that everyone has different techniques and different beliefs, you know. And again, with equipment, a lot of people go to certain things like the Ouija board, um, these apps like Necrophonic. You know, what are your thoughts on, firstly, the Ouija board? What, what's your thoughts on that? Because a lot of people say, you know, that it's just a game, it's not real. What, what do you think about the Ouija board? as a part of an investigation? <laughs> I actually got in quite a bit of trouble on uh, social media for uh, my, my thoughts on apps uh, this okay. year, which it caused quite the controversy. But, you know, I think I, I need to note that this is just my opinion. This is my way of working. Um, so Ouija boards is not something I take part in. And that's simply just for the fact that, again, it can be easily manipulated by the human touch. If you think you've got seven people around a Ouija board um, and you've all got your finger on the glass, you know, it is easily manipulated. Can we ever say that what comes through the Ouija board is strong evidence? Now, I have, I, I'm not saying that, that Ouija boards are not real. Uh, that, that's not what I'm saying. I've seen one very convincing one in the whole 10 years that I've done this. Um, mm. But it, as it wasn't actually one, it was two. Uh, at opposite ends of the table with two complete sets of strangers around both of them. And after half an hour of absolutely nothing happening, all of a sudden the glasses on both boards started moving in unison to the exact same letter at the exact same time. Now, that for me is very, very substantial evidence because there is no way that you can possibly teach two sets of strangers to know the timing of the movements uh, and, and what the um, the planchette, the glass is going to move to. Um, I've also seen hundreds and hundreds of faked Ouija boards. Um, 
it's it's not something I would use on a paranormal investigation. But again, um, I, I respect anybody who does use the Ouija boards. And um, moving on to apps now. Like I said, I, I caused quite a lot of controversy with um, a post I made about apps. Now, there was one I stumbled across um, called Demonivox, I think it was. Um, and when I sort of uh, delved into the research of this, I, I, and I just want to be very clear that if I was if I post something out on social media um, that's going to cause controversy because there, there are people out there who believe in apps they swear by apps they'll say that we've had um substantial evidence via apps that's absolutely fine and um, i wouldn't post something unless i was a hundred hundred percent convinced on my argument towards mm. what i'm saying and what i said was that basically after i did the research into this demonivox i figured the sound banks that it was using were from story uh, audio books um, to do with the devil, to do with possession, to do with demons. Um, pretty sure the Da Vinci Code was in there somewhere. Um, so if you think about all these words that are coming through, the chances and the percentage of it coming through with the word devil, demon, yeah. holy, things like that, that are um, implanted into these audio storybooks, which is then how the device works, because it will jumble through these sound banks, these audio clips, and will randomly select part of these audio storybooks, whether that be two seconds, three seconds, five seconds of that. And the chances of that coming up with the word demon, devil, unholy, all implanted words. It's like me now doing a audio book on computers, for example. Um, the, the, the word keyboard, keys, mouse, computer, speakers, that the percentage of that coming through is very, very high. Um, I also tried the Necrophonic app, which I know a lot of people use. And again, I'm not telling people what they should or shouldn't do or, or the techniques they, they should use on investigations. Everybody can do what they want to do. And um, I wouldn't use it because in my opinion, it doesn't give you substantial evidence. Now, I had this thing running in my house for four hours straight. Uh, and I sat there with a notebook taking note of everything that came out. Now, again, the Necrophonic app is using uh, phonetic uh, sound banks to develop the building blocks of speech, shall we say. So how many times in that four hours could I make out a word? But then when I play it back on the recording, it doesn't sound anything like it did at the time. And that is what you call audio pareidolia. Just like when you look at a picture, the, the human brain sees what it wants to see. And it's the same with audio. The human brain will make words um, that, that it recognizes. Uh, so for me, anything that has um, word banks, audio storybooks implanted into the device that then selects it at random can't, in my opinion, be perceived as strong evidence of the paranormal. And uh, I've had this conversation with with multiple parapsychologists, multiple scientists, uh, Dr. Cal Cooper, uh, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe, who would all highly agree with what I'm saying here, um, that, that mobile phone apps cannot be perceived as evidence of the paranormal. That's fair enough. And I think the thing is with the paranormal, everyone has to respect, everyone has an opinion. 
and everyone's doing different, you know, um, you know, research to find out the truth. And no one's in the wrong, no one's in the right. It's just how we all perceive it. And I think this is the beauty about this. We need to respect everyone's, you know, opinion. Oh, absolutely. Look, I, 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 I work at my haunted hotel, which invites uh, investigators from all over the country to come and do their own thing. We don't tell them how to investigate there. They do their own thing. The amount of people I see with um, SLS cameras on their mobile phones uh, using the Necrophonica, that's absolutely fine. I'm not in a, I'm not here to tell people how they should investigate. If you want to use mobile phone apps, if you want to use Ouija boards, that's absolutely fine with me. Um, I, but if you're going to put across a scientific argument, then you need to present the science behind it and the evidence behind it, which I have just um, portrayed here. Yeah. That, you, you know, you've got to look into how these devices work and how equipment works before you can then use them as part of a controlled investigation, if that makes sense. No, definitely. Um, and just before I go on to my next line of questioning relating to certain words that you were just using, I just wanted to touch base on some of the audience that are asking questions. So we've got Abby. Um, she is asked, where is the most scariest place you have investigated to date? <laughs> I just want to get asked quite a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pool, Pool Park Asylum, a place called Pool Park Asylum in um in north wales and another one called nankluidy dre as well in in north wales which is in a, a town called ruthin um yeah two two very very scary investigations that i've done uh which have really really disturbed me uh you know they were quite a few years ago now but there were some highly uh disturbing things that happened uh during those investigations um which you know, I, I failed to really rationalise on on how and why that happened. And can you give us a bit of an insight what happened at one of these locations? Yeah, uh, so Nankluidy Dre is, is probably one of my most famous cases um, that I've covered over the last 10 years. Um, the, the, the most substantial piece of evidence that came from there was in a group of 16 people. And one lady uh, was wearing a crucifix necklace and we were all sat round, uh, nothing really happening at the time. And her crucifix necklace came up off her chest and, and ripped off her neck in front of 16 people. Now, if you want to talk about people um, seeing that and maybe imagining it, there's no way that 16 people are all imagining the same thing happening. Um, incredible, incredible to witness. And just on that, you're saying about and what Abby's asking about the most scariest moment. Have you ever been in that moment where you think, oh, this is a bit too much and sort of think is above, you know, it's pushed you to your limits where you think, oh, I need to back off a little bit at all? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the, the Paul Park Asylum one and again, the Nankluidy Dre one, um, you know, guests or, or people that you're with or, or team members, whoever it may be, having physical um, effects is, is quite a scary thing to happen. Um you know, I had to carry one girl out of the house once because she felt like she was the only person in there. She fainted. Uh, I had to carry her out. Uh, I've been physically sick on an investigation. You know, can we call that evidence of the paranormal? No, not necessarily. But it's very disturbing to witness these types of things as they're happening. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you for answering that as well. Um, another question in the audience from Sarah. Um, it's a bit of a so do you look into the history of a location after investigation? 
And do you have any examples on how the historical information matches up with the evidence you get? Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we do most of our research uh, prior to the investigation, in all honesty, just because we like to sort of uh, prepare our tactical approach to that. And um, you, what you will see, certainly in the new uh, the new Haunted Hunts reboot, which is coming to Amazon Prime next year, is a very um, detailed example of that, where we receive the call and we go through the entire case in our office um, before even arriving on location. And then we do all the on-location research as well, such as uh, speaking to eyewitnesses, speaking to other investigators who may have investigated, uh, speaking to members of the public, uh, delving into the archives, uh, doing your sort of local research as well. Um, there's only been a few cases where I've actually delved into more research after the case, and that proved to be very, very interesting. And I know certain people like to do that. They like to go in blind to a location and then do their research, which is a, a really interesting way of doing things. Uh, but personally, I like to do it all prior to the investigation, just simply because I want to stand the best possible chance of, of knowing how to approach an investigation before heading in. And before starting your investigation, again, a lot of different teams do things differently with like a seance, a protection chant. You know, do you do those sort of things with, with before you start an investigation? Do you have like a routine before going into a haunted location to protect yourself or do you just throw yourself into your investigations? Yeah, no, it, we um, not really on the protection side. I used to actually do that when I first started in the paranormal. It's not something I really do um, anymore. And again, I see lots of people doing it, and that's absolutely fine. It's just not something I really would choose to do. Um, when we go into an investigation, it, it's straight to work, really. It's straight onto the uh, the cameras, get them all set up, um, get all the equipment set up, get the environment controlled. And one of the biggest things we do when we go into the location is do a thorough baseline sweep. Um, so we are checking for uh, electromagnetic field poisoning, high levels of EMF, which could play uh, an effect on, on the human brain, uh, really unhealthy situations. We check in for infrasound, which can also play a part in people having hallucinations, people having um, false positives, if you like, checking for um, certain noises within the pipework, certain aspects of maybe the Wi-Fi system nearby radio towers. Um, and a device which is very, very useful for this is something called the GQ EMF detector. Um, it tells you what your source of Wi-Fi is. So, for example, a lot of people, and this is something that... that it, it, it really grates on me a little bit when I watch certain things because people go into a location with a K2 meter and if they receive a spike on the K2 meter, they automatically jump to the paranormal conclusion. Um, whereas the GQ will tell you why the K2 is spiking, e.g. Uh, a mobile phone uh, not being on flight mode or off. It will tell you there's a nearby uh, Wi-Fi system um, a nearby radio tower, uh, walkie-talkies, radios, all kinds of things like that, which can affect a K2 meter. Um, but people need to actually understand the source behind the electromagnetic field before then jump into the paranormal conclusion. 
I've seen uh, a very, very random spike of over 50 milligauss. And that, for me, was very sharp and very sudden. And the only um, understanding I got behind it was a static reading. Uh, it was very, very sudden, very unexpected. And then it just went and I couldn't replicate it again. So that is a more interesting reading of uh, electromagnetic field rather than just, you know, for example, watching a K2 meter spike, which could be caused by all kinds of other things. Definitely. And with regards to this, this is open, you know, when you're watching things on YouTube. And again, it's an opinion of mine, but I like to get other people's opinion on it. Um, a lot of people are very quick to when they go into a location, if they hear something through like a spirit box or something's happening, they're very quick to say it's a demonic entity. The, the word demonic gets used very quickly. Um, do you believe in demonic entities? Do you believe that there's spirits or these entities that are part of our world that have never actually existed on this planet? I believe that America has caused a lot of this demonic hype that is now filtered over here to the UK. Um, a certain American show may be behind that and responsible for that. Uh, I won't, I'm not mentioning any names. It's, uh, it's something that's quite infuriating and, and, and frustrating really um, for a lot of people and a lot of serious investigators that, you know, a lot of these Facebook lives and a lot of these YouTube channels are going into, should we say abandoned locations and sort of, you know, using devices like mobile phone apps or, or using spirit boxes and they may hear a bit of radio leak come through and automatically put that down to a demon. I'm not sure where the hell they're getting the idea that it's a demonic entity uh, coming through, I, you know, but you've got a question, where is the evidence behind the fact that it's a, a demonic entity? Do I believe in demonic entities? I believe I've I've done a, a very well-known case here in the UK uh, with a particular item that is probably the closest thing that I would come to possibly believe in, in what's known as demonic manifestation. Um, I'm not a religious person. I don't really believe in demons, no. Um, I think when you really research demonic entities and demonic cases then it all starts to make a whole lot of more sense. And I bet your bottom dollar, half of these YouTube channels and Facebook live groups that are claiming they're interacting with demonic entities actually know fuck all about um, <laughs> demonic entities. Um, one of my team members is very, very clued up on it. She's done a lot of um, heavy, heavy research and heavy academic research into demonic uh, possession and, and demonic manifestation. And a lot of what I see would not substantiate that it is anything to do with that. So, no, um, I think it's a whole lot of hype and I think it's used to get a lot of views. Um, and for yourself, someone like yourself, you've been very successful, you know, becoming a TV presenter on some of the paranormal shows. You've got your Haunted Hunts, uh, My Haunted Hotel. But with people that are staging evidence and making up things, shall we say, um, you know, does it make it harder for you to present your evidence at times? Like, yeah. do you get the backlash because of other people's untruthfulness when they're doing their investigations? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, 
that that's that that isn't a recent thing though. That started way back in the early two thousands with another show that I shall not name here in the UK, um, <laughs> which you know. Which caused a lot of scepticism behind the paranormal, and what I will say as well is that the UK, that you know, the UK population, the British public, are a lot more sceptical than the American audience, in my opinion. Um, it's just built into us to be a lot more sort of sceptical to do with the paranormal. Um, you know, I, I I will never sit here and slag off other paranormal TV shows that are currently on air. Um, mm. You know, a lot of colleagues of mine and a lot of people who I've worked with and had uh, a lot of dealings with work in paranormal television. And I work with a lot of um, very talented producers and production companies in the paranormal. I think a big misconception at the minute is that the producers are behind the staging of activity. What I can say for anybody out there wondering about paranormal television is that UK producers do not stage paranormal television. Um, I've worked with most of the ones that, that do paranormal TV shows over here. Uh, they're all after getting real evidence. And what we're trying to do right now is change people's mindset into paranormal television. And when The Haunted Hunts airs on, on Prime next year, that is something that myself and The Haunted Hunts team are very, very proud of, is the fact that we are putting this out and it's going to completely change the game in paranormal television. It's not about entertainment. It's not about screams. It's not about scares. It's about proper, thorough paranormal investigation done in a way which shows ethics, which is a big one, mm -hmm. um, respect towards the locations and the cases, and a respect towards techniques that should be done on paranormal investigation. And then any skeptic watching a show like that will then have a hard time trying to actually slate the show because we're doing things in the right way. Now, most of the time that, that results in not getting evidence, but that's just the way it is. But I'm pretty sure now a lot of people want to see proper thorough paranormal investigations, um, regardless of whether you capture evidence or not, which is something I can't say about YouTube, unfortunately. Um, YouTube won instant evidence, instant results, happening within the first five minutes and it just doesn't happen um you know i, I work at my haunted hotel there are three thousand hours of footage uh over the uh the span of 24 active cameras that are in there 24 7 so we're, we're getting three thousand hours of footage a week at that hotel and 95 percent of the time out of those three thousand hours it's absolutely dormant and stagnant and nothing at all is happening. But because we've got access to 24-7 surveillance in a haunted building, when something does happen, we capture it and it's there for us to put, to put out. Um, but certainly I think that there is now a, a lot of scepticism around paranormal television and it's not being helped by 
certain YouTube shows and certain Facebook live groups that are out there with, with, you know, thousands and thousands of views on millions of subscribers uh, who are blatantly not being ethical and blatantly not portraying a true investigation. And the thing I always say is why do you want to sit in an abandoned building or somewhere cold for nearly eight hours of your evening to, to stage something? It's just no point. And like you were saying, it's being respectful because a lot of these places have history and you need hmm. to respect that history because you don't know what you're walking into. And it's like, it's like you're disrespecting whatever's happened there. Um, so, you know, that's a great, you know, the way you're doing it. And it'll be great to see when you air on Amazon Prime next year, you know, how you're changing things, um, which is great. Um, but for yourself then, so you started off, you know, it was an interest in the paranormal. You had an experience. How did it lead to you? If you don't mind me asking, how did it lead to you getting onto TV? What? How did that come about for you? Um, I, I have a, a, a background in television before I ever came into the paranormal. Um, so I was involved in in productions on on certain shows. Um, my sister uh, is uh, has a, a background in in television as well. Uh, she's worked on some some high profile shows. So. You know, being involved in that, it was always sort of the goal then to, you know, once I started figuring out the route I wanted to take with the paranormal and, and the um, the style I wanted to do, I then wanted to bring that onto television to try and create, a, you know, a, a unique paranormal show. And sometimes that has worked, sometimes it's not. Uh, we did a Sky series back in 2017, which was my first paranormal show that, that we did. And um, that was very sort of what you would see now on paranormal television. It, you know, it's, it's you know, jump scares, you know, everything that happened was was 100% legit, but it was very sort of overdramatic and... Um, you know, get the creepy vibe behind the buildings that you're going into. Uh, and then, you know, once I started doing Paranormal Captured, which is a, a show which has a, a perfect blend between proper investigations uh, and then bringing on people like parapsychologists and, and mm. you know, doctors and, and people heavily involved in science to give their um, aspect on, on what's going on as well. And... You know, the Haunted Hunts, the, the old Amazon Prime show with the Haunted Hunts, which rolls from 2019 to, to early this year, uh, was five seasons of very, very different styles of paranormal investigation in completely different ways. We did an experiment in season four based on whether or not human fear could trigger paranormal activity or whether human fear then affects your mindset for you to believe that paranormal activity is actually happening when it's really not. Um, so that was a unique experiment. But, you know, we've had five very, very successful series of The Haunted Hunts. We've had um, over 5 million viewers worldwide on the show, which is absolutely incredible. But now it was about taking this into a different direction because, like, you know, your question previous about whether people judge shows because they believe all paranormal is fake it was about doing a brand new show that would completely change people's minds on paranormal television and portraying uh, an investigation which shows active 
disproving and debunking of paranormal. And I think what's good, um, especially with like my haunted hotel that you've done as well, um, which has been great to see, but you also invite people to take part as well so they can see for themselves how you run your investigation. And I think that's really key because, like you're saying, people are not necessarily doing the right things on YouTube, Facebook, but you give everyone the opportunity to come and investigate with you so you can they can see firsthand how you do it. Um, and I think the response that you've got from that has been quite great because you always seem to have a good crowd that are coming to join you, um, you know, yeah. which is great for, for what you're doing and also for the paranormal community in a way. Yeah, I, I, and that's what that's what it was about. Um, you know, my haunted hotel is open to anybody. Whether you you've got a background in paranormal, whether you're just someone that that wants to go because you want to get into the paranormal, or whether you are a seasoned investigator of twenty years, um, it, it is the beauty of the place that it invites absolutely everybody there, and that in itself is a completely different style of paranormal show because what you're effectively seeing, um. And it's a big statement for me to make, but it is true. It is the world's most documented, ongoing paranormal investigation. It's all focused around the same building. Um, it's it's portraying day-to-day -day life in a haunted hotel that is still open as a pub downstairs for, for people to just come and have a drink in. And also for investigators to then come and have a controlled investigation where Brett, Harry, and I are just sat back. We're not we're not actively involved in the investigation. We are just sat back in a control room overseeing everything to then aid the investigators that come there. And and you know, like you said, it gives people the chance to just come and do their own thing. Whether you go on to a organized paranormal event, there's 25 other people there, you're getting taken around in teams of 10. Uh, and the, the the team there are sort of telling you what to do and what areas to hit. With My Haunted Hotel, it's for people to just come, do whatever they want to do, any technique of paranormal investigation they want to do, and experience this with us, and then feature on their own show where, you know, whatever they find is documented there. And, you know, it, it's fun as well. It's a fun show. It's about having a laugh along the way. And, you know, not all paranormal shows need to be deadly serious and deadly creepy. It's about sat back and having a bit of banter as well in the control room, which Harry, Brett and I do. Uh, I'm very lucky to work with two absolute incredible uh, guys. And we have a laugh. We don't take it too seriously. But when it's time to be serious, it is it's probably the most serious investigation of them all because what people don't see on the show is the hours and hours and hours during the day where we're actually spending time in the building, taking scientific readings, taking the levels of, of electromagnetic field. We're taking the infrasound, read, infrasound readings and we are trying to find a pattern. If anything happens, maybe on a certain day, a certain time of the day um, and see if that is what's, you know, triggering the paranormal activity in there. You know, the best thing about it as well is we are in a 400-year-old building, which is yeah. an incredible part of British history in, in one of the most haunted cities in the UK. And just in case people want to know, where can they go to find out about doing bookings for the My Haunted Hotel? 
Yeah, just type in on Google My Haunted Hotel or, or, or go to www.myhauntedhotel.com um, and you have an option there to just um, sign up for a night. You know, the, there are six bedrooms that are accommodation bedrooms. You can come in. Uh, it's open Monday to Thursday. Unfortunately, it's not open for weekends. And, and the reason why is because it's right in the middle of a city centre and we're trying to make it as much of a controlled paranormal investigation as possible and you will get noise contamination from a friday saturday night um but yeah just just come over and um you know and and, and work with us that's what we're, we're aiming to do we're not you know we're not unfriendly people we don't bite we, we're the most friendliest guys you can ever meet um no matter what you may think of social media presences and things like that. You know, there's people within the paranormal who, who absolutely cannot stand me, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but these people have never, ever worked with me. Um, everybody I've ever worked with in the paranormal uh, and everybody who comes to the hotel will see for themselves that, that what we're trying to do is just help people on their paranormal journey and also learn from them as well you know you know we're still learning along the way and it's about just all sharing this unique building with everybody out there in the UK and and beyond as well we've had people from America come people from Canada um people from Europe so you know it's just a beautiful building and we all want to witness these things together don't we so i've just seen a comment from sarah hughes uh you are when you put me in the cellar on my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we 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 do uh, set challenges at the hotel for people. That's <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. And with regards to um, you know, we're looking more into like the actual investigation itself, and when you do communicate with spirits, you know, do you think that these spirits understand what we're doing? As you know, especially when you go to the same location over and over again. Do you think they become more aware of what we're doing and why we're trying to communicate with them? Or do you think they live in a cycle of what they used to be when they're on the physical planet before they passed on? Yeah, my, my personal opinion is, you know, you, you get the, the two different types of hauntings. You get the residual stuff, which is obviously, you know, like a, a tape recorder playing over and over again. And at the hotel, for example, we get a lot of footsteps happening all the time on the top corridor, which I personally believe is a residual haunting. And you just kind of have to be in the right place at the right time. Obviously, with the cameras, we get to hear it all the time. Um, and then, obviously, you have your intelligent hauntings as well, which, you know, do directly respond to what you're doing and, and, and what you're actively saying um i don't believe that they fully understand what's going on or fully understand what we're saying but i think if you can trigger a certain uh time zone within that investigation where the manifestation is at its strongest then you can get intelligent communication and it's some of the best evidence i've ever seen in all honesty and um i can quite easily say now that even though I still have my uh, very serious sceptical side, I am a massive believer as well because I've just seen stuff that it just cannot be debunked. It can't be disproven because it's right there. It's happening. It's on camera. Um, you, you go through every possibility that it could be, every rationality, any way to possibly debunk it. And when you run out of reasons, 
it is paranormal. Um, you know, it's not a normal event. No, no, definitely. And you say about <clears throat> the energies when it manifests into and it's able to communicate in a strong way. Do you think we have a part, like when you're doing the events, when you go into these locations, do we have a part in that? Like bringing in the right energy. Do you think these spirits will feed off the kind of energy that we are presenting to them? So if we're in a good, happy, you know, very positive mood, do you think they're more likely to respond better? Or do you think they'll respond to us either way? Again, I, I think that you know, you, you hear it a lot on um, paranormal events, for example, is that, right, guys, bring a positive energy. Um, we want loads of energy, um, you know, because it will help. You, you need substantial evidence behind that theory, if that makes sense. And, yeah. you know, again, that's veering more towards the spirit spirituality kind of um, aspect of the paranormal you know, I could sit in a building for five hours straight, completely silent, bringing no energy at all, and I may witness something. I could mm. also go in and um, wear myself out and bring the most incredible energy possible until I can't move anymore uh, and might not witness anything. So I don't know. It's all this is, again, something that we may, as investigators, be able to understand further as the future generations go on and, and science, um, you know, advances and, and we as people advance that we can get an understanding behind that. Because I, in all honesty with you, I just can't answer that question because I don't know. Does anybody really know whether that is the answer to triggering paranormal activity? I think we can say that about a lot of things in the paranormal. Do we really know everything? You know, exactly. as much as what like you're saying, you've been in the field for 10 years. There's people being in the field for more than 10 years. But do we know? I think we're just scratching the surfaces and there's so much more that we need to delve into to fully understand everything about the paranormal. And it might be one of those things that we will never actually understand fully. We just got to keep doing what we're doing and just doing it in the right way, as you've been saying. Um, but for you then, when say that you've got a junior investigator, for example, someone that's new to the field, you know, what advice would you give them to start their journey in the paranormal field? Uh, wow. You know, if I could talk to myself back then, I'd say, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, save yourself a whole load of stress. No, I, I would just say, enjoy it. Enjoy it and do whatever you feel is right, but do it in a way that if anyone was to ever pull you into a, a detailed conversation or a detailed um, constructive argument about the techniques that you use or, or, you know, the investigations that you conduct, have the backing of your own ability in terms of understand why you're doing certain things, research why you're doing it, and make sure that what you're doing is correct, um, you know, in terms of, why do I believe so so highly in, in um, devices that can produce white noise? Because I believe that that can trigger activity. And I've spent the last four or five years documenting that on camera. Why do we believe in EVP? Because there's a lot of evidence out there in the paranormal to suggest that EVP is a strong form of paranormal evidence. So to anybody going into this, understand your equipment, understand your techniques, understand why you're doing it and have fun doing it and have a passion for doing it. Don't come into it to try and 
be the next television investigator or to be this huge big name on social media because you know you're doing it for the wrong reason you you want to go on your own journey and understand why you're on that journey if that makes sense if if i if i could go back now i would never have ever got involved in paranormal television um or social media or certain areas of the paranormal community because although there are incredible people in the community um which is why i'm going to festival of the unexplained next year it's why i appear on podcasts such as this and, and other ones as well and it's why i work with people within the community there is also a very 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 negative side to the paranormal community which is bitchy it's competitive it's um it's troll and online abuse um you know, I, I could I could happily put something out there for everybody on social media to see with some of the messages that I've received and some of the posts that have been made about me just because I work in paranormal television. Um, and it's absolutely disgusting. It really is. And that is the downside of the paranormal community here in this country. And I'm sure it happens in America as well. I, I know uh, fellow investigators in America who have a, a very sort of uh, horrid time with the paranormal community so you know I, I i think what i'm saying here will touch home with a lot of people watching this who will have experienced this as well and it just needs to stop the the, the competition within the paranormal the um the, the the throwing people under the bus to try and get where you want to be it's just not the right way of doing things you know we should all just enjoy this and look back at our younger selves or, or when we first started in the, the paranormal go, look how much you enjoyed it. Look how much, you know, you got a piece of paranormal equipment and it was like Christmas morning because you were so excited to use it. And, you know, you were so excited to go and test it in the field. That is the paranormal. And I still get that to this day. You know, I, if I get a new device um, imported from Ghost Stop in America, for example, uh, which are an incredible company, by the way, I it's like Christmas morning for me. I cannot wait to get out there and and, and work with people and, and test it out. So, you know that that is the advice I would give to anybody starting out in this field. Definitely, brilliant. And just a quick question from Cindy. Uh, she's asked, "Did you find out who's walking through the corridor and the footsteps in the My Haunted Hotel?" I, again, I, I can't. I can't sit here and say, "Oh, it's it's." the spirit of this person because let's face it there is no evidence behind that all we are getting is disembodied footsteps on the corridor which is incredible evidence within itself but then to start naming who we think it may be behind that delves into the uh into dangerous territory because you know again we're jumping at you know conclusions then and we need to look at the hard evidence rather than uh jump into sort of theories hmm. um brilliant and you know going forward then so we're at the end of 2022 nearly you know what's been your highlight moment of 2022 for the paranormal for you uh, i've got two two massive highlights uh the first one was um receiving the, the new contract from amazon prime to to reboot the haunted hunts um 
I, I just want to give a massive shout out to, to the team there because they all do such a fantastic job and the production and everybody behind the scenes that makes it what it is. Uh, we are all so, so excited about what this show is going to bring. And it won't be everybody's cup of tea because there will be people who will want to see for example, like on YouTube, quick results that happen fast. It's not a show that does that. It is a show that goes in to actively debunk claims and help real people. It's real cases helping real people um, who believe they are experiencing genuine paranormal activity. Um, so receiving that new contract with the original Haunted Hunts team members, and I have just got the most perfect team on board with me on this. We are all so fully focused in this massive change that's ahead and i cannot wait for everybody to see it and the second highlight in my year is is definitely um opening my haunted hotel with harry and brett and um, it's been harry's dream for 10 years to to open this project and uh, i'm so happy for him to finally make this happen and just the fact that again we get to share it with investigators from all over the uk and anybody watching this, um, you know, including you and Sarah as well, uh, you're welcome anytime. Anybody is welcome to the hotel. Um, come on down, have some fun with us and, and investigate with us. And, you know, um, I'm featuring your own episode. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, and looking forward to, you know, the next year, you know, just to lightly touch on, um, you're going to be a guest speaker at the Festival of the Unexplained. Uh with um karen frey who's put this together with her team you know which is a great event my wife went last year um you know and by the sounds of it everyone has a blast what are you looking forward to to be part in that yeah let me firstly just thank karen and, and all the team behind that um for actually asking me on i feel very very privileged as um you know as the only uk paranormal investigator to, to feature on on next year's event and you know um I massively, massively appreciate being asked and I will never, ever take that kind of thing for granted, um, you know, because without people like that asking you to feature on these events, then, um, you, you know, you, you're not, you can't really class yourself part as the community, if you know what I mean. Um, and what I'm most looking forward to is actually because I, I never really do these types of things. Uh, I've been asked on two other uh, paracons and I, i've not done them and this time I, i've decided i want to because it's great to actually go out there and meet people who share this passion and and, and work with them in person and and you know there'll be people there that are fans of of what i do and again i, I will never ever take that for granted because i wouldn't be where i am today if it wasn't for the people who support my work um and I like to sort of reciprocate that back. And, and, you know, when I was first starting out, there was people who I really looked up to and supported them. Um, and they showed me the respect back. And, and that's kind of what I want to do. I want to go there and um, and have fun. I want to have fun with everybody. Uh, it sounds like an absolutely brilliant event. Um, speaking to Karen and everybody behind it. And obviously, I'd, I'd like to speak to Sarah as well when I get a chance. Um, because last, this year sounded absolutely incredible and um I, I can't wait yeah it sounded like they all had a blast and especially at the evening party as well so first drinks <laughs> on me and i'll get to see you there um you know I'll give you your first <laughs> um which is great um and you know 
as I said, we you've done a lot already, but what can we look forward to for in 2023 for your own personal projects? What kind of things can we expect to see from you? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, the Haunted Hunts uh, reboot, I think um, the first series is aiming to release around spring. Uh, we're actually still filming. Uh, we'll just have, obviously, we're on a Christmas break at the minute, but uh, we, we resume filming in January. Um, so, yeah, aiming for springtime, that'll be a big one. Uh, my Haunted Hotel will just go from strength to strength. I, I'm fully convinced that this will be one of the biggest things in, in the paranormal. Um, just simply, not because of us, but because of everybody that, that comes and shares the experience. It's such a unique uh, paranormal show in, in terms of how it's structured and the format behind it. I don't think there's anything else like it in the world. Um, so that will be huge. And then, yeah, I am in, um, I'm in talks currently with two other productions uh, about some paranormal TV shows, which obviously I can't discuss um, in, in the public right now, but um, as soon as I can announce anything, I'll, I'll put it out there. Um, for all the paranormal captured fans, I, I have no news on a series three at the moment. Um, and you know, if, if that does get announced, then I, I will make sure to let everybody know via social media when I can. Brilliant. And the final question of the evening, um, it would be great. You know, if money wasn't an object, you know. Where in the world would you want to investigate? Where would be your first place that you would um, go to and why? You can't just give me one place. You know, I've got to have multiple, <laughs> haven't I? <laughs> but is there, uh, like, have you got, like, a bucket list that you want to... And with regards to being on here, have you, are you thinking about going, like, international with, with any of your work that you're doing, hopefully, and recording overseas at all? Yeah, there was, I was actually in talks... Um, Back in twenty, the the end of twenty twenty, um, just as we were coming out of the pandemic, about doing a show, and we were actually heading over to Chernobyl in the Ukraine um, okay. to actually to do uh, something some work over there. But obviously, um, with what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, um, there's just absolutely no no chance of that. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely, uh, Transylvania is a massive one for me. Uh, Loftus Hall in Ireland various places in America. Uh, the Winchester House would be a big one. Um, just, yeah, multiple places all over the world, to be completely honest with you. Um, but what I will stand by to this day is that there are cases right here on, on UK soil which still absolutely fascinate me, Pendle Hill being one of the biggest ones. Pendle Hill. Have, have you investigated there, or is it one that you want to do? Yeah, we did. Uh, we covered a big series there for Amazon um, and the old Haunted Hunt show, which went down very, very well. Uh, it was one of the most popular series that we did, and um, it's just an amazing place. And for anyone who can go there and investigate, I would highly recommend it. Um, it is a fascinating location. Absolutely brilliant. Um, well, before we end, what I want you to do is just quickly shout out where everyone can find all your stuff. You know, if they want to look at your website and everything, I know you've got quite a lot going on, but do you want to just shout out where all your stuff and where they can find you? Yeah, I mean, social media is probably the the, the main place. It's where we're most active. The Haunted Hunts uh, UK, you can find on um, Facebook. That's the official Facebook page, The Haunted Hunts UK. Uh, I have my Daniel Moss page, which is kind of just my interactive page. And then my public page is Danny Moss um, on Instagram, The Haunted Hunts as well. And then obviously... 
head over and, and like My Haunted Hotel as well. Uh, you can find all the links to all the websites, you know, in the uh, in the bios and things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, come and give me a follow, give me a shout. And um, I'm always very interactive on social media. I like to interact with people. Um, I'm not one of them people that kind of just ignore uh, the comments that come in. I've, I've always, always been very appreciative of the people that support me. Um, and I will always be like that. And like I said, um, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be where I am now. So uh, much love and much respect to everybody. And um, including you and Sarah as well. Um, massive respect for, for your podcast and, and what you're doing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to a drink next year. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, well, I just want to say thank you, Danny, for you know, getting back to me so quickly and agreeing to it, because this was literally, guys, a last minute thing. I was sat upstairs in our bedroom the other day and I thought, I haven't spoken to Dan. We haven't had him on the show. And I was saying to Sarah, do you think it would be a bit cheeky to get him on really quickly? I think it was like, I spoke to her, what was it, last Thursday? And I was like, can you be on this Wednesday? And within five minutes, you replied back and said, yeah, sure. So really appreciate that, because I know you've been busy doing a lot of projects and, you know, just unwinding stuff for Christmas. So Thank you very much for taking part in the show. Um, oh, thank, thank you, you for having me on. Um, it's been absolutely great. And definitely can't wait to have a drink with you next year at the Festival of the Unexplained. And um, what I'll do, guys, is I'll put all of Danny's links in the bio. So if you want to click, give him a follow. My Horton Hotels. Absolutely great stuff going on there. Um, so definitely give Danny a follow. What I'll do, Danny, is I'll just quickly put you back in the green room and then end the show. And then we'll just have a quick follow-up. Okay. But yeah. thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. So, guys, what a great way to end our podcast of 2022. Um, just want to say a quick thank you to everyone um, that has supported Portal to the Paranormal over the last year. You know, we've had some great guests, great events, and hopefully that is going to continue into 2023. Um, but for now, I just want to wish everyone a great Christmas and a happy new year. And we will definitely catch up with all of you in 2023. But for now, I'm going to say my goodbyes. Again, have a great Christmas, great New Year, and we will all see you um, for 2023.